my name is Adam Snyder, and this is Good Bad Movies. I'm here, of course, with Adrian Lopez. Adrian, how are you today? I am well. That could change shortly. Well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. We're talking about Twilight. Yeah, so this past weekend, we watched a double feature, actually, of Face Off and then Twilight, and I feel like that's a great two cinema masterpieces right there. So here we are, talking about Twilight. Twilight. I had never seen Twilight before. This was the first time I'd seen it in full. When I was in high school, my English teacher, Christopher Fothery, actually managed to bootleg the first 15 or so minutes of this movie. But after that, I hadn't seen anything. I didn't know anything. And now I've seen the whole thing. And, and what an experience it was. It's certainly an experience. I can't believe that you had never seen it before. Uh, I feel like these movies were formative for like anybody under 23 and older than 17. Like that sweet spot, that generation right there, that, that little microcosm of a generation, I guess. I feel like everyone watched these movies. They were they were a hit. Millennials, too, even. Loved this movie. Back in the day, these movies were very important to middle-aged women as yep. well. I feel like that is a, a demographic we cannot neglect. That is a very important part of the fan base for these movies. This well, we're big on the mothers. Big on the mothers. Big on the mothers. <laughs> yeah, we care a lot about the mothers. Yes. This is also uh, in, in the mother's <laughs> picks in that blockbuster. Yeah, I could not actually pay my mother to watch this movie, though. I know she wouldn't even touch it with a 10-foot pole. Well, there you go. I, don't, I think my mother has seen this. Maybe she even read a book. I don't know. I've done that. I've read. I guess I, I'm the resident expert here because I read, read the first book. You read the book? Yeah, I read the first book. Why? Because <laughs> it was because it? it was a bestseller, and my mom was a librarian. You <laughs> and, did not uh, even want to watch it. So why? Did you, now you've read the whole book? No. I, first of all, I read the book years ago when it was not maybe when it was released, but I read the book shortly after its release when I was a bit young to be doing so. Even it wasn't meant for me. Uh, it, um, it was not meant for you in so many ways. That's true. I mean, I'm not a vampire. That's true but no I, I had read the book i had enjoyed it at the time actually especially you know i had always been kind of into vampires and werewolves and stuff like that so at the time i enjoyed it i tried rereading it not too long ago and could not do it i could not do it you tried so to reread it i did i was just interested and this is a perfect segue uh i was interested because these movies had such a massive impact on our i hate to say it, but like truly a a massive impact on our culture and on movie going culture these were some of the first movies, th this very much is what created like the part one, part two system of movies where, you know, you'll release parts to a sequel to get more seats uh, sold in a movie theater. Th this movie had lines out the door. You know, it was it was a it was a smash hit. And I honestly think that the movies, though Twilight was a bestseller, I think the movies made a lot of people discover the books for the first time and kind of led to a uh, an afterburst of sales. I guess that was like the time it was like this movie and Harry Potter with the part one, part two. And then oh, yeah. they tried to do it with Hunger Games and it didn't work so well. And that's kind of why they stopped doing it. Yeah, um, most people were upset about the Hunger Games one. <laughs> yeah, this th this movie came out in 2008. And I guess it did have a big impact on cinema at the time. I always thought, and I still stand by this opinion, that the final Harry Potter movies have this edgy feel. They've got this same blue filter. And they kind of are going for like a Twilight aesthetic after these movies came out and were so popular. Yeah. And, and it's worth noting that Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince came out, I think, the year after this. So it's safe to say that Twilight had an effect on those films. That was an edgy couple of years. You had Twilight come out to massive success. You had The Dark Knight come out to pretty massive success. And then Harry Potter, Half-Blood Prince.
emerged shortly after. So edgy blue filters all around. <laughs> yeah, and Robert Pattinson had a, a hand in both of those honeypots, didn't he? He did. He did. But he was dead by the Half Blood Prince point. That's true. You're right about that. Good um, for Rob. But it doesn't matter. He yeah, good for him for getting out early. Well, let me tell you about Robert Pattinson me. real quick. I, as you might know, am just enamored with Robert Pattinson. I think he's such a good actor. If you've ever seen Good Time, oh my god, he's so good in it. And then most recently I've seen him in The Lighthouse and he blew me away in The Lighthouse. He's like a good actor. And to think that this is where he began. This is the door he entered through. That almost impresses me more because after making these movies, there's such a heavy connotation. Mm -hmm. uh, this is really a hard thing to get out from under. How many years was he just Edward from Twilight? You know, that's a hard thing to shake off, yet he managed to do it. No, but you're right. I mean, Robert Pattinson, I think people sleep on Robert Pattinson. I actually, I, I very much agree with you here. I think he is talented, and I don't think he's given the time of day when people are talking about serious working actors today. I remember watching Water for Elephants, of all movies, uh, with my mom when it came out. And like, the movie's whatever. It's not, it's not great. It's kind of bland. But I remember thinking, and that must have been 2011 or 2012 that that movie came out, that Robert Pattinson was pretty impressive in the movie as far as performances go. And yeah, you're right, right? He, he's done Good Time with the Safdie brothers, and then he did uh, Lighthouse with Eggers. And his performances in those movies are really good. Really, really good. And he just recently worked with Christopher Nolan on that movie Tenet, which I haven't seen, but you know, that's a big, that's a big director to work with, a big serious director. And I'm eager to see him in something a little different. Batman. It's a different type of edge, right? But I, I respect Robert Pattinson. Now, I love Robert Pattinson, but every other actor in this movie, they were in Twilight, and then maybe a few forgettable things later, and that's it. There's still the Twilight actors, you know? I, I think a lot of people that get stuck in these in these movies kind of struggle. It's not a Harry Potter episode, but, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, like, has has openly talked about the struggle of having been Harry Potter, and and you see it. Check check out their, their IMDb DB pages and look at what they're doing these days. It's not much, and a lot of the stuff that they're doing is not gaining a lot of traction. They being the, the, the child actors that end up in these YA adaptations. It's a cruel world. When you're when you're typecast, you are there. Sure, the initial check is fun, but if you want serious work after this, th these movies will get you. Yeah, and watching this movie, the whole time I was thinking, this movie's dumb as hell. <laughs> it's so yeah, stupid. It's, it's ridiculous and just so brooding and angsty and edgy and like poorly written and bad plot. It's like terrible, but it was such a phenomenon. It was so well-respected at the time. I guess that just tells you where we were in 2008. Honestly, are we even that far? Because if you go and you look at Netflix's top 10, all of the movies are on it. Yeah, but they just added them to Netflix. And anytime they add something, even if they're terrible, I feel like a lot of people are like, look, they added Twilight to Netflix and then everybody watches it and they're huge. That's absolutely true, but it's different with Twilight. I think a lot of people, they're rekindling that flame. There are people that fell in love with this franchise and then 2013 happened and, you know, something else came out and they just kind of they forgot about it. It went on. You know, I saw all the Hunger Games movies in theaters. Did I ever revisit them? No, probably because they weren't really accessible until recently and they're not good. But with, with Twilight, the, the phenomenon was huge. I think, honestly, I almost think we're incapable of remembering how big it was because it's really 
really hard to look back that far. I mean, I know it's only been like a little over 10 years, but this was this was a big deal for a lot of people. And, and I think it makes perfect sense that they're so big on Netflix right now. One thing I'll talk about right now, you know, that we always talk about older people playing teenagers. This is, of course, yet another example. But Rob was 21 at the time and Kristen Stewart was 22 at the time. While that is significantly older than their characters, that is like closer than I feel like people usually are in movies. And they even still, they don't look like teenagers. And like every yeah. other vampire besides the main two clearly are older. The less important the character, the older they will be while still trying to look like a 17 year old. <laughs> yeah, you could tell they're not teenagers, but they are close. They're much more believable than the rest of the cast, which I wouldn't be shocked if some of those people were nearing 40. It's absurd. The way they try to get around this is, of course, the vampires are caked in this terrible white foundation. Oh, man. And they don't hide it well. You see it in their pores. Like, you could feel the face clog when you're watching this movie. And I think these are even streaming in 4K uh, on Netflix. And when we watched it, we watched it in 4K. And, dude, oh. I mean, the, the makeup was... Yeah, even 720 might be too much. much. But it was bad. Whoever did the like, makeup for this movie... Like should be taken to a field and shot because <laughs> it's so Hard and bad. Feathered. It's so bad. It's egregious. Yeah, it's, it's really, really bad. It does add to that charm a little bit. I mean, you can't help but smile when you see Edward yeah. just shining on screen. I love this movie. I loved watching it. And that's because I watched it the entire time with a smirk because that's how you watch this movie. And that's how you enjoy this movie. But yeah. uh, let's talk about the sexual undertone or overtone, I guess, because it's very much that this movie there's there's no plot it's not important nothing's important it's like a romance novel it's just sexual that's just what it's supposed to be that's all it is it's nothing more than that really it's this bizarre fantasy where a vampire takes you away and is all sensual and there's some creepy things about that he's 108 and she is yeah. 17 and that is creepy but maybe there's something about that fantasy that somebody just really enjoys i don't Ugh. know I don't really like yeah. that, but whatever. I didn't even realize how creepy it was until you kind of broke it down for me when we were watching it. Because he is old. It doesn't matter that he doesn't look old. Like, he has so much life experience. Why is he interested in this high schooler? They do the thing where it's almost chosen one-esque with Bella. You know, she shows up and, and she's got this unique allure. It makes her just not one of the normies, right? She's and, not like other girls at all. Right. Yeah. She's not like other girls. It's her whole shtick in this movie and like i guess that makes sense it doesn't change the fact that this guy is old like really old and this is super creepy uh, at its core but i think you're exactly right i think for a lot of people when this movie came out especially the demographics that we were talking about this struck something it struck a nerve in a good way uh yeah for some people in a good way i guess the makeup's a part of that fantasy the hair like everything that we're, we're talking about is goofy and ridiculous this is all for the fantasy that's why they're wearing yeah. stupid makeup that's why yeah. the plot is ridiculous there's a point where she gets poisoned and he's like i have to suck the poison out but i don't know if i'll be able to restrain myself from drinking all her blood and it's like so sexual but also like angsty and i think yeah sexual and angsty describes the fantasy this plays to to a t oh for sure I, I don't think you could have said it any better oh and then there's that whole plot point of like they can't have sex because it'll be too much for him and he'll kill
kill her. So they're like always in chastity. So it's like, it, it's that idea of like the sexual version, you know, it, it, which is a horrible. Once again, I question the ethics of the basis of this archetype, but that's part of the fantasy, you know, like it or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's what sells this movie to a lot of people. You're absolutely right. I think, no, I, in fact, I know that this movie, to me, it shares a lot of commonalities as far as the culture around it goes with the Fifty Shades franchise, the, the Fifty Shades of Grey movies that, that came out. Well, as you uh, know, in th the origins. Right. And I think that's worth mentioning. Culturally, they did very much the same thing. They might have even done like a part one, part two thing. Don't quote me on that. I think, I don't no, know. they did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. But, you know, the movies were huge. Again, we had very similar demographics go and see this movie. Definitely less teenagers went to see the Fifty Shades franchise, thankfully. But, you know, the hype around it, all the middle-aged allure that those franchises had, uh, it's all very similar. And yeah, right, what you were going to say, E.L. James, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was initially a Twilight fan fiction. It was based on Twilight way early on. She she changed it so it could have more mass market appeal. So yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any hiding that this movie has like weird sexual connotations all throughout it. Not just this movie, this franchise as a whole. That's just how it is. And you know, I think the fans know it too. I think they know it and they embrace it. Because of that, I think like maybe the bad writing isn't important. It's it's not supposed to be good. It's supposed to be sensual. And, and so this movie does that well. It does what it's trying to do. And I have to give it credit for that. Catherine Hardwick directed this movie. It is two hours and two minutes, which is still less than Face Off. And one, one thing I did not like about this movie, like really disappointed me, was the ending. And that is because there isn't an ending, really. It just, and now watch the second one. That's basically the ending. Like there's no resolution at all. It doesn't even like de-escalate. Like it just stops happening. The credits just roll. And, and it feels like you had uh, no payoff for watching this movie. And that's how they get you to watch two or three more movies, isn't it? They knew what they were doing with that. How long did they even wait between films? I feel like these were on the conveyor belt as far as production went. They just pumped them out one after another. And honestly, I think they all would have been made a lot quicker had it not been for the huge Writers Guild strike that happened during this time. Because that really slowed Hollywood down. But in a way, these movies are, are genius because the marketing behind them was very much the, the way that they built the stories within the movies where you have to watch the next one and it'll only be out in another year. You just have to wait another year. Get ready now. Still what they do with Star Wars and stuff like that, basically. But, you know, there is a lot more of these movies than there were new episodes of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, you know, if it was a Netflix original, they would have plopped off all the movies at the same time. So but I don't know. Maybe I'd, I would have preferred that. Don't make me wait. I'll forget about it in a year. You know, if you're going to make me wait that long. I just want to I want to do this real quick. Twilight came out in 2008. Twilight New Moon came out 2009. Then 2010 was Eclipse. Then Breaking Dawn Part 1 was 2011. And then Breaking Dawn Part 2 was guess what year? 2012. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so I think these movies were probably just shot. Wait, there was five movies? Yeah, there was five. Oh, man. Come on. I know. They milked it for everything it was worth. Five. There was four books. There was five movies. Come on. That's so many. I feel like this franchise drags on too long, if anything. Like, that's my criticism right now. It could have been one book, two books, two books max. That's well, excessive. You could tell Stephanie Meyer that, but I don't think she can hear you from all the cash that she's wrinkling between her fingers that's and her ears. True. Stephanie Meyer is so rich. It's not even funny. And a humble beginnings for her, too. She's yeah. like a Mormon from, she went to Brigham Young for writing. This is the most, like, generic protagonist character, put yourself in this position, too, the way it's written, the way yeah. Bella is. She might as 
well be a mannequin with insert your face here thing because that's like part of the fantasy is you want to live through this main character and the ridiculousness of just they met and were immediately inseparably madly in love like Romeo and Juliet had a very unhappy marriage compared to these two's relationship and then the way that like they write Edward is creepy to me too like he's just really protective of her and like I don't oh my god and he like keeps showing up in her bedroom it's like this is unethical at a certain point I have lines I gotta draw there's a lot right? of unethicalness happening with this relationship and it's played and she, off so sexually and like this is the dream but it's like this is messed up a lot of times but whatever it's part of yeah, the fantasy and, exactly and you watch it and you're like oh my god he could literally like kill her whenever and that's the point <laughs> And people love it, right? It's akin to that book that came out years ago. Beastly, was it called? I don't know. And it was like a Beauty and the Beast ripoff. And then they also made a movie about it with, you know, like a very old but young looking protag with a young woman protagonist, love interest. This is a tried and true model Yeah, this is, is the point. This is a genre right. of, I say fiction, but also fantasy because it's, it's appealing to a certain fantasy, a certain trope. Yeah, it's almost everything I love. You have here a gang of vampires, this family that's old and they band together and they only take in a select few members. They have to show restraint to bring in others and so they rarely do, but they show tons of restraint because they don't eat humans, they live among them and they have to war against these vampires that do eat humans and kind of break that sacred vow. And then you throw in all the creepy underage stuff into it and I lose my interest. Yeah. It, it's gone for me. It's almost everything I love but no dice on this one I don't know the way she's always like well he's just really protective of me because he just loves me so much and like he, he tells her like don't go near Jacob because we don't like him and, and it, he's controlling he shows up in her bedroom like and she acts like it's like well he's just because he's so protective of me and it's like girl this is toxic girl this is not okay <laughs> get out of there boundaries yeah it's this it's is, rough you're 17 him and mother Abigail are the same age Adrian oh you're right actually I'm not even going to say I, I understand the appeal. I don't. I think it's a little creepy. I'm not gonna lie. I understand why so many people fell in love with it years ago and now find themselves shying away from it. That makes perfect sense to me. However, they made it. It made buku bucks and its cultural relevance still is still there. This is still a huge franchise. I think Stephanie Meyer probably still makes most of her money, if not 90% of her income from the Twilight property. She built an empire with, with this creepy little story. <laughs> I won't judge. I'm trying not to judge. Like, from a story point of view, from, like, a character point of view, yeah, like, it is creepy and there's a lot of, like, unethical stuff. But also, like, if it's just, this is your fantasy, like, okay, it's a fantasy. I'm, I can't get into that too much and be, I can't shame you for any of that, you know? Right. You you, know I mean? you, you do what you need to do. Yeah, you do right. what you need to do. I get it. You That's fine. Personally, I like to watch Godzilla and pretend that I'm him. So. <laughs> I do, too. I like to place my myself in the suit. <laughs> Do not for a second pretend this is literary genius, however, no, or no, cinematic it's genius. It's terrible. The CGI in this movie, too, is, like, so terrible. 2008, to be fair, but, like, oh, and then the baseball scene. Oh, if you're going to watch this for anything, watch for that baseball scene where they the, play the super human baseball. Oh, my God, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I think this movie is worth watching. I think it's worth watching for several reasons because I don't think this movie is all dud. I think, again, I absolutely see the mass 
mass market appeal here. And I get it. I think business-wise, this is uh, a genius movie. You know, I, I think this is a genius franchise business-wise. Uh, as far as its literary or, or cinematic merit, not much there. But I think like stuff like that baseball scene is what makes this movie worth the watch. And now that it's on Netflix, why not, right? Why not just click it and 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 see if you if you like it. There are a few things I like about this movie. Oh, I, I had a blast watching it. Yeah, and after watching Face Off, this yeah, movie definitely. was a masterpiece. Yeah, truly. Yeah, definitely. If this is your fantasy, you know, I don't judge. Sure, go watch it. You probably have found it already. You don't need me to tell you to go watch it. But if not, there's reasons to watch this. They've movie. got a Tumblr. Yeah, you you have your you have your fan Tumblr, so it's all right. I get it. You've seen this movie, but if you haven't, I'd say watch it because it's funny, it's goofy. Maybe you're with some friends. Maybe it's a Saturday. Maybe you're cutting loose and cutting up. And in that sort of space, in that mindset, in that setting, I think this is a really good movie for that sort of setting. I think it's fun. It's funny. Give it a watch. I <laughs> I had a blast watching it. Yeah, I think, I think with a good group of friends, watching it the way we did, right? Just having fun, nothing else to do on a Saturday. Why not? Check it out. No harm in it. And you might find yourself wanting to watch the other four. Four, maybe not, because that's a lot, but at least the sequel. And then after that, I eh, give up. But whatever. It's fun. Give it a shot. I think we said more than enough about uh, that. We've said definitely more than enough. <laughs> thank you for joining me, Adrian. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Stephanie Meyer, for writing Twilight. Goodbye. Yeah.